Hey everybody, this is Lucas from Coastal Vineyard. Just wanted to say thank you for downloading this podcast or maybe picking up a CD after service. We love you and we are praying for you. We believe that your best days are yet to come. So expect the best. We hope that this message inspires you and moves your faith into action. So sit back and enjoy. Jesus was the absolute, is the absolute best storyteller of all times. He told the most intriguing stories that sometimes had a definite ending, sometimes they just kind of left you hanging, sometimes they left you thinking like, what exactly did he mean by this? And he was just a master, master storyteller. And one of the stories that he told was in the book of Matthew chapter 7. And he's speaking, and he says this in Matthew 7, Therefore, um, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, he is like a wise man. And and 7 and verse 24, and, and he's like this wise man that built his house on the rock. And the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and they beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat on the house, and it fell, and it was a great fall. So he tells this short story that's so quick and so to the point, yet means so much, even back then, even right now. And what's amazing about this story is he tells the story, and sometimes we can read it and think, um, like, you know, building, building the house with the right foundation. And th- that's kind of like the point of the story, and w- which it is. But there's another aspect to the story that kind of eludes us sometimes. And that's this, that the rains come, the winds blow, and the waters rise. And what's amazing is it happens to the wise man and it happens to the foolish. It happens to both of them. So you could be in this room this morning and you could be the smartest person in the room. You could be in this room this morning and you could be the dumbest person in the room. There's one thing that's assured. The rains will come, the winds will blow, and the waters will rise. And the difference is what you've built your foundation on. And here's the thing. Um, in just my short amount of time of being a pastor, um, I've learned a few things. And one is that some days there are amazing, great sermons. I'm like, man, that Sunday was awesome. Preached this. It was just great. And then other Sundays, I was just like, wow, that was the worst sermon in all of sermons. Just absolutely failed. And so there's great ones, and then there's bad ones. And, and the thing is, a few months later, I can't remember which ones were good and which ones were bad. And neither can you. Like, what did I preach six months ago? I don't know. I don't know either, and I preached it. So, like, here's the thing. There's good times. There's bad times. There's good and bad. And, but there's one thing that remains beyond any sermon that you've ever heard, and that is the Word of God. The Word of God will get you through those times when the rain comes, when the wind blows, and when the waters rise. Because I guarantee you, for all of us, no matter how smart you are or how, how dumb you are, there's going to be a moment in your life where those rains come, 
those waters rise, and that wind blows. And the difference is the foundation that you're standing on. And often, when we reach those times in our life, we want to look around. We want to look to our friends to help us. We want to look to our pastor. We want to look to, to this person or that person. Or we want to look to our jobs. Or we want to look to um, whoever it is. Whatever it is that we constantly go back to. Maybe, maybe it's money. Maybe it's things. Maybe it's hobbies. Whatever it is. We want to, and the thing is, it fails us. Sometimes it brings a little bit of lasting, you know, relief for a moment. But in the end, ultimately, it fails us. You know why? Because it's the wrong foundation. And the right foundation is the Word of God. It's that moment where your life is at its darkest point, and God speaks to you. And it goes beyond any sermon. And it goes beyond any friend's comfort. And it goes beyond all that. And it's the foundation in which we build our lives upon as Christians. It's from even from the very, very beginning of time in Genesis where the fall of man, man's in the garden, it's absolutely perfection. And the enemy comes up and says to him, but is this what God really said? See, the very first thing is a contrary word against God's word. From the very beginning, there's going to be another word that's going to try to say something different from his word. And then we have a choice. Are we going to live and stand on what God's saying or the other words of this world that want to tell us something different? And so this year, um, we've encouraged everyone to begin to read the Bible. Um, Through the the Bible uh, in 2013. Um, if it's not, if you haven't started yet, it is not too late. There's all different types of ways in which you could start reading through the Bible. If you go to the website, there's different Bible plans you can find on there, and all this, all these really good, uh, helpful aids uh, where you could go online and you could read it on your phone and all these things um, to read the Bible through in a year. And here's the thing: uh, this point in time, right here by the end of January, is usually the point in where most people kind of give up. They've started off strong, January 1, January 2, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there, you know, I've missed a few days, I'm going to get back on it, but this is the time as a whole where most of us kind of drop it, and then six months later we're like, oh yeah, I was supposed to be reading through the Bible in a year. And now I know you can't like nod your head and agree, because that would, but you know what I'm talking about, like we've all done it. And so... The thing is with that is sometimes when we read through the Bible, we start, you know, at the beginning oftentimes. We start at Genesis and we begin to read through it. Now, this is the point in time where we start to read the portions of scriptures where there's all these names that we can't pronounce. And there's all this, like, genealogy and all this stuff. And then we get into Leviticus and then there's all these laws and we're just like, oh, my gosh. You know, this is. And then I can't tell you how many people have told me, like, oh, it's just, it's just boring. And they're just kind of being honest, like, hey, this is boring. I can't. I don't want to read this. And so it's hard to, like continue our plan to continue reading the Bible when we're reading something that I don't have a clue what I'm reading. And here's the thing with that. Um, Just yesterday, someone asked me, you know, what is your favorite book of the Bible? I was like, man, that is, that's hard. Um, Because I'm a little weird. I actually really like Leviticus. (laughs) And I really like, you know, some of the stuff that everybody thinks is so dry and so just kind of repetitive. And I think the reason why I enjoy some of those books 
And or let me, let me put it this way. The reason why a lot of people don't enjoy some of those books is because there's not a broad understanding of the story of God. And so what happens is the predominant um, message of your Christian walk thus far has been this, where you go to church and you've, you get bits and pieces of Scripture from all different parts of the Bible. Um, one week, you know, we could be over here in Matthew. The next week, we could be over here in Genesis. The next week, we... And so we're getting bits and pieces of all of these things going on. But the thing is, we're never getting the story as a whole. And so we can never really understand what's going on in the bits and pieces until we understand the story as a whole. So once we understand as a whole, the bits and pieces and the parts that really like, uh, it begins to make sense. So like, imagine that you contract me to build your house. And so I begin to build your house, and I just put up a couple two-by-four walls and just like a part of the roof, insulation in just one section, and just a doorknob. Hey, your house is done. (laughs) Bits and pieces of it are done. But no, we want the whole house. And so that's why we're encouraging everyone to read through the Bible this year so we can understand the message as a whole. And what I want to do this morning is I want to give you a view of the Bible as a whole. I'm going to give you thousands of years of history in 20 minutes. Okay? And so I realize that some of this is going to be like way beyond, and there's no possible way that you could even take the notes for this. So what I did is I took all of my notes this week, and there's like 15 pages of notes, and I put them online, and you could go to the, the webpage and download it, and it's going to give a survey of the first 17 books of the Old Testament. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Okay? So are you ready? That was a long introduction, wasn't it? Don't worry, don't worry. We, we won't get far, but it's okay. It just, it'll make sense at the end. Trust me. All right. So the first, uh, actually, if you want to, in your Bibles, take and flip over to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start reading this morning. No, just, and we're going to go all the way to Revelations. Okay, Genesis 1, and then I want you to go in reverse to the left. Maybe it's page XX11 or V11 or whatever. So that page that has the table of contents in there. And it begins to list all of the 66 books that are in this Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. We are going to focus on the Old Testament this morning. It's a little bit old school Bible study. So just get prepared. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, all this, begin this look. And what I want you to do is underneath the book of Esther, which is the 17th book on the list, draw just a little line and let that kind of be a little bit of a separation mental note for you. The reason why is this. When you're reading the Old Testament and you begin to read and you begin to think, man, I've read this before, or something is repeating itself or what's going on at this point in time, everything that happens in Genesis through Esther is this kind of push of events through time where we're moving, in in a sense, chronologically, and everything that happens after the book of Esther has already taken place inside those first 17 books of the Bible. So whenever you are reading Job and Psalms and Proverbs and Ezekiel and Daniel, all that stuff is taking place in a time that happened inside of these first 17 books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And so the reason why you begin to think, man, some of this stuff is repeating itself is because it is. These stories are telling sub-stories of what has happened during these times. Um, For example, um, the 
book of Psalms. Book of Psalms, majority of it is written by David. David takes place mostly inside of 1 Samuel. So when we're reading 1 Samuel and we're reading the Psalms, we know that, hey, these things are going together at the same period of time. So the beginning of the Old Testament, the first 17 books, is really your history. The first 17 books, the history of God's people. Now the next five books of the Bible... um, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Saul of Solomon, and then one more, Lamentations. These are known as the books of wisdom. These are the books of poetry. These are the stories from God's people. So the first 17 books are the history of God's people. These next five books, and then with Lamentations, is a story from God's people. So in other words, these books are all man's responses to God. Whereas in the, the first beginning of the Old Testament, we're getting God giving us a history of his people. And then in these books of wisdom, in these books of Psalms, probably it's man speaking to God during these times. And then after that, you have all of the books of the prophets. You have Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. All of these guys are basically giving words from God to man. So there's the history. There is the, the books of man's speaking to God, and then there is God speaking to man through his prophets. Does that make sense? So I know it's it's a lot. Again, it's going to be on the notes so you can catch up. Um, What I want to do now is, with that understanding, so kind of realize that, hey, we're we're going in an order here of of time. Um, And I'm going to give you a brief uh, overview of the Old Testament. So Genesis 1. Genesis 1, we find creation. From creation, uh, it's not long before man messes up and we have the fall of man. There is the flood. There is the Tower of Babel. All these things are happening inside of Genesis. Um, From there, after the flood, it's not long until man has totally messed up again and needing some help. So God says to Abraham in Genesis chapter 11, get from this land to a place that I will show you. I'm going to bless you, and all of the nations of the earth are going to be blessed from you. This, this is kind of a pivotal point in the Bible because Genesis 1 through 11, you're finding pretty much an introduction to the Bible. From Genesis 12 on is an unveiling, an unfolding of this promise that's given to Abraham. That God would bless him, he would bless his people, and that through him all of the nations of the earth will be blessed. So we have Abraham. Abraham has Isaac, and Isaac has Jacob. Jacob then has these 12 sons, which are the 12 tribes of Israel, which begin to form this nation that God has promised through Abraham. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob, one of the sons, is Joseph. Joseph finds his way into Egypt, being sold into slavery. And it's not long before there's a famine. The brothers come into the land, and uh, Joseph becomes like a rescuing um, help to the rest of the family. But time goes by. And it's not long before the people found themselves enslaved in the land of Egypt. Again, remember, all of this is happening inside of Genesis. So they're enslaved in the land of Egypt. They begin to cry out for help. God hears their cry and sends Moses. He raises up Moses. Moses then comes on the scene. We have Exodus. He leads the people out of 
the captivity in Egypt, and their goal is to go into the promised land. But there is a problem. They get caught up in the wilderness for 40 years because they get to the edge of the promised land, they look out, and they see that, man, there's giants in this land, and the Bible says that, and we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. In other words, these guys are going to squash us. And they're out there and they're looking. And so they don't listen to the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord is you can take this land. This land is your promised land. It's your inheritance. But they basically say, no, God, we're not going to do it. So then we have Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. All of these books are taking place inside this time where they are wandering in the wilderness. When they are out there in the wilderness waiting for a generation to die out so that they would go into the promised land. So Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all of this is happening inside of this period of time. This is where, in the book of Leviticus, we get the law. Um, In the book of Numbers, which people say, like, man, Numbers is just like, e. But if you know what it's about, Numbers begins with a census, and it ends uh, towards the end of the book with a census. It's, the, it's a counting of God's people whenever they have come out of slavery and they've met God at Mount Sinai. And then there's the generation that's wandered inside of the wilderness. And then there's another count saying, now this is the count of the people that are getting ready to go into the promised land. So it's a numbering. The beginning is a number. The end is a number. It's what God's people are doing, coming out of slavery and then into the promised land. Now, this leads us to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is a book where it's Moses has led his people thus far. He's led his people through all of these things, through the captivity, into, um, into the wilderness, wanting to take them into the promised land. They don't want to go. Uh, the, the laws come through them. Moses has uh, authored this, and Deuteronomy is his kind of last words to the people that he's led for so long. It's really a book composed of almost his final farewells, his sermon to the crowd of saying, all right, listen, guys, if anything that we've learned during this time as me as a leader, this is what I want you to have learned. I want you to have known this and remember this when you go and you take in your promised land. Now, Deuteronomy is also a book of transition because he's transitioning out of his role as leader and now Joshua is getting ready to step up and lead the people as the leader into the promised land. And so we make our way into Joshua. Joshua is just that. It is the conquering. It is the taking of the land. After that, we have the book of Judges. Judges is just that. It's it's men that are judging the land. And we don't want to think of them as judges in the sense um, how we think of a judge on a big chair with These are more of like the warriors, military leaders of the day that are judging, they're overseeing, they're taking the land. Now, we have Ruth. Ruth is a sub-story of everything that's happening inside the book of Judges. So when you read Ruth, you have to realize, hey, this is, again, if I hear some things that go on, this is happening during the time of the Judges. All this that's taking place in this time is what's what Ruth is really highlighting. This is what the land looked like. This is what was going on uh, during the time of the judges. Uh, First and second Samuel really highlights King David, uh, Saul, David, and Solomon. From there, we go and 
First and Second Kings, this is where the nation of Israel has grown to a point. They've looked out, and there, there's a transition in here where it's no longer just judges, but the nation's looked out, and the nation has said, you know what? We want to be like every other nation. We want a king. So we are going to appoint ourselves a king, and that's where they get Saul. Saul and then David and then Solomon. Now, after Solomon, there is this kind of internal war. There's a, a divide where it, the nation of Israel divides into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom with ten tribes. Remember the ten tribes that came out of Jacob? Ten tribes to the north, two tribes to the south. And there is this, this split. And so the book of First and Second Kings is telling us of all of these kings that are ruling the northern and the southern kingdom. Good kings, bad kings. And so we read this book and we see the rise and the fall of God's kingdom. And there's ones that obeyed and listened to God and then there's kings that disobeyed and were evil in the sight of the Lord. Now it's not long before the Assyrians come in and they capture the northern kingdom and they are led off into captivity. After that, we have the Babylonian Empire coming in and capturing the southern kingdom, and then they are left out. So the kingdom has been united, then the kingdom is divided, and then the kingdom has been brought into captivity. And all of this is happening during First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and First and Second Chronicles. Now, First Chronicles, you say we get there and it begins to repeat because First Chronicles is repeating what happened in First and Second Samuel. Second Chronicles is repeating what happened during First and Second Kings. So it's giving you almost like a highlight of what's happening during God's people during that time of the day. Like, listen, just hold with me. This is important. Uh, I know it's, I know you didn't expect to come to Bible study this morning, but that's what it says on the screen, Bible study. We're going to do it because it makes a difference. Just, just hold with me. Um, the people have been left off into exile. And then you have Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. Ezra is leading the people back into the land. Remember, they have been, they've been brought into captivity. They're coming back now into the land. And Ezra's main focus is rebuilding the temple. Nehemiah's main focus is rebuilding the wall. And Esther is a substory of everything that is happening inside the book of Ezra. So when you read Esther, you've got to realize, hey, this is happening during this time. It's during a time where they have, the children of Israel have been in captivity. They've been released to go back, rebuild Jerusalem. And these are all of the things that are happening during this time, the book of Esther. And at that point, that is where the Old Testament stops as far as history. That's it. That few minutes, all of that is the Old Testament. You can read that, the story of God's people, the history of what they went through, the rise and the fall, the creation process, the judges, the kings, and everything. Now, everything you read from this point out is all highlighting everything that's already happened. From this point forward, you could flip over to Matthew and begin to read. The in-between part there is known as the intertestamental period. It's a period of 400 years where from, from the end of the rebuilding of the temple and rebuilding the wall until Jesus comes on the scene, A.D. 1, the year of our Lord Jesus Christ, the day that changes everything. And that is the history. And so sometimes just realizing that, 
changes the entire way that we read the Bible. And see, like right now, I know you could like, man, I didn't expect this this morning. I didn't want this. This is like uh, kind of boring. But here's the thing. If the word of God is going to be our foundation, we have got to understand it. We have got to understand what it means. And so to say that, man, I don't get this part or it's just boring. Or, well, you, we need to know why it repeats. We, we need to know why it seems boring. Because for some reason or, or the other, God thinks it's important. And he thinks it's important that we should know it. We should know why this happened. So this morning, um, I know I don't have too much time left, but I, I want to just kind of highlight the book of Genesis. So take all of that. Again, I know that was like probably the wrong thing to do to give you all all of that. But again, I, I put all my notes on the Internet so you could download them. You could take them. You could copy them. You could you know, plagiarize them to death. Like, I don't care. It's like, you know, I, I stole everything from God's word too. So like, there's really no copyright laws. Just do it. Um, anyway, the book of Genesis. Genesis means beginnings. First 11 chapters is serving as an introduction. Now, within each one of us, within each, all of humanity, all of mankind, we have four basic questions in life that need to be answered. And those are questions of origin, questions of meaning, questions of morality, and questions of destiny. Origins, where did I come from? Where did all of this happen? Meaning, well, well since it all happened, what, what does it mean? Morality, well, I'm here now. How should I live? And destiny, where is it all leading to? These are four questions that whether if you realize it or not, you will ask yourself at some point in your life. And those questions need to be satisfied. Origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. And I would submit that all of the answers to those questions are given in the Bible. And not only are all the answers given in the Bible, but most of them in the first 11, all of them in the first 11 chapters of Genesis. And actually, not only that, they're all summed up in one verse in Romans. Let me find it. It is. See, I had like so many notes that it is unbelievable where it's all at. I want to say it's, let me find it, Romans 11. Romans chapter 11. Sorry, I'm not as organized as I should be. I don't know, but I haven't memorized. Anyway, um, for, for from him, through him, and to him, to him be the glory, is what Paul is saying here. And from him, through him, and to him, to him be the glory. That answers all of those questions. From him, our origin. Through him, our morality. To him, our destiny. And to him be the glory, our meaning. It sums it all up. He sums it all up in that. From him, through him, to him. In Genesis 1, we really find our origins. We find God creating from the very beginning. He's saying, light be, earth 
be sky, be birds, be. And there is this creation process that's taking place. So from the very beginning, we know that evolution didn't happen. There's no, you just didn't evolve out of a monkey. You didn't eventually turn in from this kind of primordial creature, ooze or whatever, into this, into what we find humanity at today. No, Genesis 1 tells us that we were created in the image of God. God reached down, took some dirt, formed man, breathed life into him. Our origins, that is it. Anything else, the Big Bang Theory, all these other things, junk. See, there's all different types of religions, all different types of things that are trying to answer these four questions. They're trying to tell you your origins, meaning, morality, and destiny, they came from these other sources. And every one of them falls short. I mean, is it the idea of just like, out of nothing, this big bang happened, and that's their answer for that. See, even atheists have their answers for these four questions. And so we find ourselves in Genesis asking these questions. Where does it all come? So even the question I would say is, what if the only Bible you ever had, the only portion of Scripture that you could read was Genesis 1 and 2? What if you only had the first two chapters of the Bible? And that's all that you knew. Well, that would still satisfy all of our questions. It would still tell us where we came from. It would still tell us morality, destiny, and median. We find God creating. And if we look at the creation process, it's amazing on how God does things. The beginning of creation process is primarily separating. He's separating light and darkness. He's separating uh, the heavens and the earth. He's separating the seas below and the land. And then the latter part of the creation process, he is filling. He begins to fill all those things. And then he fills the skies with stars and moon and sun. And he fills the earth with every type of um, creep, creeping creature. He fills the skies with birds. He fills the seas with fish. So primarily there's a separation And then there's a filling, and then on the seventh day, there is a rest. So there's a separation, there's a filling, and there is a rest. So even from the very beginning of the creation process, the Lord shows us a pattern in which we should follow throughout all of history, in which Jesus comes and shows us. And Jesus comes and shows us that this is how that you would be saved. First, there is a separation. There is the world that you would be in the world, but not of the world. There is a separation that takes place when you come to know Christ. When you were baptized, you died to everything else, and you said, God, I'm yours. Everything I have is yours. There is a separation that takes place. And so after that separation, there is then a filling. See, we're not just separated from thing, but we're separated unto something. And so God fills us. He fills us with his spirit. He fills us with his gifts. He fills us with love and compassion and all of the things. So there is a separation, there is a filling, and there is a rest. Is your life following this pattern? Is your life following this pattern? Has there been a distinct separation from the world in your walk with Christ? And see you. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org.
Come on, be 